This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Teal Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 24. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 24 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Feeney-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Feeney-Hatton. Good afternoon, Randy. Hello, Lynn. So really excited today to talk with Anthony Kim, author and founder CEO of Education Elements. And uh, we came across Anthony's work with a personalized learning playbook. As uh, many of our listeners know, we are working towards more personalization in our school, so we have the opportunity to talk with Anthony today. Anthony Kim is a nationally recognized leader in educational technology, school design, and personalized learning. He's the founder of Education Elements and has been involved in helping hundreds of schools change the way they think about teaching and learning. As the author of The New School Rules, Six Vital Practices for Thriving in Responsive Schools, and the Personalized Learning Playbook, Why the Time is Now, Anthony has influenced many educators. He's a nationally recognized speaker on personalized learning, and his work has been referenced by the Christensen Institute, Ina Cole, Ed Surge, Competency Works, Ed Week, District Administrator, and numerous other research reports. He's passionate about helping uh, school districts so that they can become more nimble, understanding what motivates adult learners and designing schools that plan for the needs of our future. Outside of education, he's passionate about triathlons and learning about people who overcome remarkable challenges. He's a San Francisco native and continues to live there with his wife, Angela, and rescued dogs. So good morning, Anthony, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, Randy and Lynn. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little yeah, bit about personalized learning and uh, your uh, personalized learning playbook. Uh, and you've got it broken down into a couple components that if we add them together, um, we have um, high engagement and sustainability in this work. So tell us a little bit about uh, some of those elements in the playbook. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote this book uh, two years ago um, after helping several hundred schools across the country with school models and helping them uh, 
collect technology. Uh, and, and the reason I ended up writing this is because I, I just felt the way we were approaching the notion of personalized learning, uh, it was a little bit complicated. And you know, sometimes in education, I think we tend to make things a little bit more complicated <laughs> than we do. Um, so so my, my vision for personalized learning is really any, any product or service that could be dynamically tailored to the needs or wants of a customer. And uh, that happens everywhere. Uh, but uh, if we hone it down to just dynamically tailoring uh, to the needs, uh, I think that gives us a sense of where I think uh, personalization needs to go. And in, in the book, we talk about kind of three things. One is um, just understanding personalized learning, right? Delivering something that's personalized, utilizing technology to give us the data we need to continue to personalize. Uh, because uh, in every personalization effort, there's a feedback loop. And then the last thing is whole school design. And I think that's the one thing that prevents us from doing more innovative things in schools across the country is because our, our schools are, the design of the schools themselves are quite rigid. And so in order for us to have really engaging places of learning that we can spend eight to 10 hours a day, like all of those things need to be in place. I visit a hundred schools a year. And every time I go to some schools and some district offices, you know, it, it's a very non-inviting experience, right? Even from the way you enter a door to how you encounter secretaries behind uh, sheets of glass <laughs> to how you get entered into multiple uh, offices before you actually meet with the superintendent. And I would say that uh, just that experience actually creates a very non-personalized experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do we change from a, a kind of a sterile industrial feeling uh, experience within the five, first five minutes of our exposure to a school is, is really critical to making, making us understand how different kind of the world is in other environments like, um, you know, in many of the companies that we hear about or uh, big, big organizations like uh, WeWork spaces where they're changing the way people work and where they work just by creating more uh, collaborative community-based experiences. So at the beginning of the book, you talk about the personalization equation um, as you start off your personalized learning playbook. Talk to us about what that is and why does it work? Yeah, so uh, you know, I touched upon it uh, briefly and the equation includes uh, actually personalized learning, right? Uh, using technology, platforms and tools and whole school design. So like I mentioned, personalized learning is really being able to dynamically tailor a service or a product to the needs of a, a consumer or a user or a student, whoever it is. Um, and so in order to create those types of experiences, uh, you do need technology uh, to do it at scale. And, and the technology allows us to not only quickly deliver information, but also for us to collect data that allows us to better tune what we're offering the next time. Um, and we hear about all of this stuff through things like, you know, recommendation engines and AI and machine learning and things like that. And it freaks most people out. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, when done well, you could really get things that are curated for your interests and needs, uh, which is 
important in a in a space where we're getting bombarded with information every day uh, and curation is becomes more critical and then the last piece is whole school design is like how do i think about the whole experience it's not just a 45 minute period that i'm thinking about it's like from the minute i walk on campus to the day the minute i leave how do i think about that whole experience and and that that doesn't happen as much and so in once you add those things together is where you not only get student engagement but i don't think that we're going to achieve personalization the way we envision it uh, without teachers and the adults in the building being engaged because that uh, emotion actually transfers over to the students that we serve so i'm making connections to things that we've been spending some time talking about um culture in our district and the visibility and accessibility of all of us in engaging with our learners and our teachers. Um, as you were talking, I made a connection to the shadow of student, Randy, that we did to really try to understand what it's like to be a learner in our buildings and um, the importance of, of all of us as the adults in the organization understanding what's happening in our, in our classrooms and how our learners are um, feeling welcomed or unwelcomed for that matter. And we've actually uh, done a user experience walk mm -hmm. with, with students in each school, too, from, you know, the time they get off the bus walking in the building. What do they see? What does it look like? How do they feel about that? And so that that element of the of the school design, um, we've sort of bumped up against, um, not very intensely, but um, certainly having some conversations around that. Uh, so y your company, Ed Elements, does a lot of work, obviously, around uh, personalized learning with with different school districts. Uh, and you describe personalized learning as dynamically tailoring. So can you give us an example uh, from, from a school? Give our listeners, like, because this idea of personalized learning, there's you know, <clears throat> 5,000 different interpretations and, yeah. and ways of thinking about it. So what would be an example of that dynamically tailoring uh, to, to be personalized? A few years ago, we worked with a, a school in Denver. And I remember we launched them with a very simple model. Um, it was a three-station model. It was an elementary school. And after, by mid-year, I went to visit the same school. Uh, and the second grade ELA teacher had six groups in the classroom teaching uh, up to fourth grade. And in that example, it was super interesting because when I was talking with the teacher, I said, you know, why do you have six groups? He's like, well, I have kids that are at fourth grade level now. And I'm teaching, I was like, how did you prepare? Well, I collaborate with the fourth grade ELA teacher to prepare lessons. And so the teacher on her own without consulting with us and getting permission was able to change the number of groups based on the needs of the kids. Mm -hmm. Another example is uh, you know, and this happens multiple times in many of the schools we work with where uh, two teachers, uh, math and science or two math teachers might recognize that one teacher has um, skills around engaging kids in whole group instruction really well. And other teachers, the other teacher is really good at one-on-one -on -one advisory and coaching. And so instead of them kind of struggling through areas where they're weaker, what they did was they would merge a classroom, two classrooms, and one would do whole group instruction while the other one's doing one-on-one -on -one tutoring with the students that needed it. And that way they were very successful in the skills that they were really good at, but they made those decisions on their own without us telling them what is the right way to do it. And I think that's important when you talk about 
dynamically tailoring is like the person or the educators doing this work, they feel confident and skilled enough to make appropriate decisions that maximize the learning opportunities for kids on a daily, weekly basis. And, and they have that information and the skills and the data that they need to be able to do that. So you talked a little bit about um, leveraging technology to help help in the pursuit of personalization. And you shared a couple of examples of how it's more than putting learners in front of a computer um, using the data to create instructional decisions. What, what else would you like to share about the, the idea of leveraging technology as we work towards personalization? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's this tricky thing, right? Because people are strangely... Um, adverse to technology and education, whereas like, I actually don't know how I would get from one meeting to the other or one place to the other without my phone these days. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, like, I don't even know if I would be able to, you know, book a flight anymore, mm-hmm. because I wouldn't know how to route myself uh, over the phone, because I don't know what options there are. But before we were used to that. But Today in schools, we expect kids to be able to figure that out the same way we did when that's not even a, you know, a skill that's useful. It's actually, you know, a skill that's useful today is being able to decipher fake news on the Internet. Mm-hmm. That wasn't something that we felt like we had to learn because whatever was printed, we thought was true. Now we know like that's not real. I mean, that's not true. And just because it's printed doesn't mean it's true anymore. So. How do we start teaching students uh, skills to survive in a world where uh, information, there's a lot of false information available. There's a, a lot of redirection that can happen through uh, internet. Um, but at the same time, like the beauty of it is information is at our fingertips. I could look up anything I want. And so, you know, there's this tension that we also uh, feel as educators where, you know, do we think about like, the traditional like memorization skills and kind of uh, the prior knowledge skills that we have to have, or do we focus on kind of creative and problem solving and uh, assuming that someone will be able to find knowledge? And the way I propose to uh, folks that we work with is uh, if you were interviewing somebody to join your team, you know, whether it's at a school or at a district office, would you rather hire somebody that could rattle off every single standard uh, in any grade level because they memorized it and they were really good at you know, knowing the standards? Or would you rather hire somebody that could problem solve for standards that are coming up in, in how to teach a, a child that? And so you know, think about it that way and you realize that you want to hire people that could problem solve with information that is easily available through technology. Mm-hmm. So like we said earlier, you're your company at Elements works with schools to move them forward in this area of personalized learning. Uh, and most of our listeners are our school leaders like ourselves. So what advice after reading the playbook would you give us uh, in terms of leading our schools uh, towards personalized learning? The most important thing I think, is, and the first step is belief. You have to believe that personalized learning is the best uh, learning opportunity for our students. And the n- next part is mindset and culture. You know, most schools will come to us and say, well, can you tell us how to do personalized learning in the right way? And I would argue that that's not the right question. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do I condition your team to think about problems in a way 
that leads you to personalized learning. And so one simple exercise that I could start any team off with, I'll give them a blank sheet of paper. I'll give everybody a blank sheet of paper and it's like, sketch out for me what you think an ideal classroom would look like just on this blank sheet of paper. And I guarantee you, no one is drawing uh, seats in rows. Everybody is drawing little cubby holes, uh, couches, collaboration stations, uh, independent workstations. And so what you realize uh, by doing little exercises like that is what they believe is the best learning environment is not what they're currently living in and working in. And so then we start talking about like, what are the steps and what's the path for you to get to that ideal vision you just drew on that piece of paper? And, and that starts the conversation. Mm -hmm. So understanding the why behind moving in that direction and getting people to connect personally um, with their own beliefs about what is powerful learning and, and what does personalization look like. And some of that can be difficult because you're, you're thinking back to um, having to identify the new skills that we need. Um, for example, the idea of fake news and how the internet has evolved from previously memorizing the content related to you know, a specific standard. So we, in addition to the mindset that you're talking about, the idea of sort of meshing what we believe with what we do, we also have to be thoughtful about what's next. That, that's right. And, you know, just kind of to dovetail to that, I, I think that one of the biggest problems we have is kind of a misunderstanding of the pacing guide. Uh, the way it's been interpreted is uh, students on this day need to learn a particular standard or a particular objective. And every district I talk to, they'll say, well, it's a guide. Every teacher I talk to, it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And in fact, um, it's not even, it's not either of those. Uh, a pacing guide was designed to provide a watermark to say, by this time of year, we expect all of your students to have covered and learned up to this level of material. And nine weeks later, we expect them to learn up to this level of material so that over the course of 12 years, we believe that they have a set of skills and knowledge that pr prepares them for college. Now, we struggled with this because now we say, well, everybody's going to kind of learn at the same pace. And regardless of whether you're accelerating or not, like uh, I need to make sure that everybody else is. So I have 30 kids and I'm going to make sure that, try to make sure that everybody, everybody reaches the same level. And in fact, we're failing miserably at this. And we continue to push the same idea and concept and we continue to fail miserably. And so, what you know, my new book talks about uh, a lot about is uh, how if we continue to do the same things over and over again, we're just going to get the same results, which is proven by the data that we're getting from. <laughs> so talking about your new book, uh, give us a little bit of information about what's out there, what's different, um, how did you extend the work in the personalized learning playbook uh, for your readers and for us as those learners? Yeah, so the new book is called uh, The New School Rules, uh, Six Vital Practices for Thriving and Responsive Schools. I, I came up with this concept uh, because over ha having reflected on all of the programs and initiatives that you know we've invested hundreds of millions of dollars in across the country, um, I was always curious why like we couldn't implement stuff better. 
And, uh, you know, every time a new program comes in, we try to implement it or a new initiative and we try to, we still can't implement it really well. And when schools do implement something really well, uh, they do get re great results. And I don't believe that it's uh, based on a specific program. It's actually the efficacy of the implementation. So uh, what I began to realize is that um, teams within districts and schools just don't function well. And an example of this would be I, I was working with an HR team for a very large district, and we were trying to talk about a, a particular concept, and uh, they got hung up for 30 minutes on defining what quality means. I was like, just assume that we all have an, a common understanding of quality, and we know it when we see it, but we don't have to debate this term for 30 minutes. And it prevented us from actually getting to making decisions. And I find that happening all over the country where, you know, we get into these debates about definitions and vocabulary and what we mean and all these other barriers and we don't get to the actions as a result. And so uh, my co-author and I, Alexis Gonzalez-Black, who uh, currently works at IDEO, but she was also involved with uh, doing org design for Zappos, we came up with uh, six practices um, and the six practices cover uh, planning, planning for change, uh, teaming, uh, distributing authority so that individual teams can make decisions, uh, roles and accountability. So everyone has clear roles and accountabilities. Uh, decision making, uh, so uh, being able to make decisions quicker by focusing on uh, safe, to, safe enough to try. Uh, sharing information so that uh, it's delivered fast enough so that it doesn't expire. And how to be a learning organization. And we feel if you get those six things right, uh, you could implement anything well. And as a result, it becomes less about the program, but how you get an organization to move forward. And mm -hmm. the way we describe it is, um, I, I learned how to swim four years ago and uh, I really struggled. I, I was flailing my arms and legs and I couldn't get across the pool. And finally my coach said, you have to be streamlined. You have to design your body into a streamlined form. And once I was able to do that, uh, I was able to get across the pool much more efficiently, like at 10% of energy. And so I, I took that idea and I said, well, teams and organizations, especially district teams, we expend a lot of energy. Superintendents work incredibly long hours. Principals work incredibly long hours, yet we're not getting the results we see, we expect. And so why is that? Well, maybe it's because the vessel, which is the organization of the school district or the organization of the school, is not shaped to be streamlined. And if we could focus on how to streamline the vessel, uh, maybe we could expend less energy and still get better results. And that that's what the premise of the book is. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for giving us a quick preview. Maybe we can invite you back to talk a little bit more about that book once we have the opportunity to uh, read and review it. Yeah, we'd love to. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Anthony. Uh, for our listeners to learn more about Anthony's work, you can see some items in the show notes, uh, resources um, at Ed Elements. You can check out the playbook. You can also see a link to the new uh, book that Anthony just published, The New School Rules, Six Vital Practices for Thinking and Responsive Schools. And also check out the companion website for that new book. Check out the Ed Elements resource page because there is a ton of really good stuff there. 
uh, to check out. Uh, so listeners, go go right there. Check out the show notes and click on that link to the resource page. So thanks for being here, Anthony. Thanks for the invitation and uh, nice chatting with you guys. I look forward to seeing uh, listening to this live. Thank you. Each episode, okay. we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. So this episode's question, what does personalization mean to you and why does it matter in today's learning context? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode 24. And that's all for now. We'll be back soon with more conversations featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Anthony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.